The idea of this film is like naturally very, very fantastic. And because it's so fantastic, you want to kind of, uh, you know, give it, you know, like a lot of believability. And the believability comes from science. And, you know, the more like naturally you research, the more you can like kind of give the people, a te you know, some sort of like a basis, you know, that people can believe in it. And uh, we went to great lengths, you know, to talk to a lot, a lot of people. But at the end, I'm always like saying, well, it has to work for the story. And so it's a mix between, you know, like kind of fact and fiction. Everybody, welcome to the final episode of Not the Bomb Podcast. Not like the final episode; it's like the well, final yeah. episode of 2022, right, Brad? Correct. Yes. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff. Yeah, I hope everybody was totally spoiled for the holidays. We're getting ready to go into a brand new year, but we had to do one more episode and talk about one more movie that bombed in 2022. Brad, this was your pick. What'd you pick? I picked the biggest bomb of the year, Troy. I picked Moonfall by Roland Emmerich. Man, you went you went all spectacle on on this month, man. First you Morbius to, and now Moonfall. You ready to destroy some shit, Troy? Because we are doing that. Yes, let's do it. So uh, we are closing the year out strong with a good friend um, that we have kind of met via the podcast, and we've been super excited because we've been we've been trying to get this uh, this I don't know. My job was the worst. <laughs> no, it's fine. We've been, we've been trying to get this like collaboration go going. Last minute? But um, my word, I, I'm super excited to to have Cam on the show. Cam, you want to tell everybody a little bit about um, you and your shows specifically? I appreciate you both. I have been listening to podcasts a while. I decided to get off my ass and actually get one done. Then I worked with some college pals and indie filmmaker buddies. Didn't like their format. Then I decided stop my bitch and do mine and i just knew my format style was keep making a bunch record a bit every day have enough to go on then slowly build your voice build your theme build your narrative and then it got to where you know when i got my new security job and uh covid hit i was like now i really want to do this i gotta have <laughs> something to do on my days yeah. off don't let any mental health anguish or anything else get out of whack and have fun doing this keep get new mics, get new things. And here I am talking with a uh, Leonard Malton lookalike and <laughs> live partner in crime. <laughs> there you go. Um, so your show came out of sort of, uh, I, I guess it, we started as a result of just, we had a podcast, then COVID happened and Brad and I talk going. on a daily basis and we're like, well, let's, let's just give it a ring. Cause we have nothing else to do. So um, the nature of your <laughs> show, what does it tackle? Uh, movies, TV, and music. We're slowly getting into computer games and uh, books, but it's a matter of just kind of a variety. Just while we're, it's defining pop culture. What, where, why do people reference this now and again, and why does it come up? Why do people quote it? Why do, why does anyone keep watching it for the billionth time? Okay, cool. Well, since this is the first time on the show, we have a ritual. 
and <laughs> we have to put you through this. So we have mm -hmm. a few surprise questions for you. So the whole idea of this is just for people to kind of get to know you a little bit better before they hear your thoughts on tonight's uh, film that Absolutely. we're talking about. <laughs> so you have you have not seen any of these questions. And I tell everybody, there's no right or wrong I swear, answer. Yeah, there was no prep. <laughs> there's, there's no right or wrong answer, but we do reserve the right to make bad jokes about your answer if they're silly. So um, I'm going to kick it off. And this one's this one's a softball question. So here you go. What is your favorite movie of all time? Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, why is that? Wow. I love the epic scale. I love how. You know, well, it's bigger than life while playing around with a mixture of adventure, politics, war, and just it it is a large scale just a man fighting other people's wars and trying to do a favor and he gets nothing in return. It's like the ultimate anti heroic kind of movie in a way. Oh, okay. Have you have you had a chance to see it on the big screen? I wish I wish I could, but anytime it's on Turner Classic Movies, I'm going to sit down and watch it, and my sister's going to go crazy saying, "Why, why? You've seen it many times." <laughs> That's awesome. It's, Troy, you just saw that for the first time recently. I did this year on 4K. Yeah. It was on my list of shame. <laughs> but what's funny is after after watching it um, yearly, so we we have some revival theaters out here um, that also show mainstream stuff, but we have the AFI in Silver Springs as well as the Senator Theater. Uh, classic movie theater and they show it almost yearly so i'm bound and determined to see it on the big screen um because i was pretty impressed with with you know seeing it in in the home theater setup but uh <laughs> good good pick man good pick all right brad you got the next one yeah if hollywood made a movie about your life who would you like to see play the lead role as you michael madsen <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. wow why michael madsen i love his gruff uh, smoky voice as well as just how he kind of just he's kind of just the drifter kind of vibe that I kind of was always going for Tr the kids struggling to fit in and if you're going to do an adult version of me in any loose biography yeah the place put him in it that's awesome I hope you're not like going to be cutting people's Mr. ears Blount, off or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no I hope that's not the case either whatever Tarantino <laughs> okay all right this this one this is a doozy. All right. So <laughs> which ready. which teenage mutant ninja turtle would you like to be stranded on the moon with? <laughs> uh, I think I'll do Donatello. He seems pretty kind. Raphael is going to have too much of a temper tantrum. Donatello. Okay. That's a good choice. Yeah, I think there's two answers. I think it's Donatello or Michelangelo. Yeah. Uh, right. I don't no, think or, anyone wants yeah. to be with Mikey or Raphael. Yeah. yeah. Leo would like tell you what to do too much. Okay. Ralph's got too much baggage. No, I like that. You went for the calm, sane, like logistical yeah, one. Okay. Good yeah. one. Good one. Especially being on the moon. <laughs> a lot of things can happen. So that, that would be the right choice. Okay, Brad, I think you got the last two. Yeah. Uh, what was the first movie you remember seeing in the theater? Uh, Swan princess. Oh, okay. Swan princess. Okay. Wow. Second one was Toy Story. That is definitely for sure. Do you do you like one over the other? Uh, I, I didn't remember much about Swan Princess. So Swan Princess is what, 93, 94? I want to say, yeah, at the very okay. least. Uh, my 
father just went because long story short, Nest Entertainment was housed in a building that he had rented to them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, he still had and so he would always play their merchandise saying, Hey, see? <laughs> Movie company. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Happening under my roof. Um Yeah, but no, Toy Story was just really large in life, and then I saw the original Star Wars trilogy and Phantom Menace all in the year ninety nine and at Hell yeah. so that's all you yep. need to know. There you go. That's awesome. I love it. All right. All right. What is your favorite movie bomb that you would recommend? Ooh, man. There's a lot I mean, to choose from. Sense. I know you guys have asked questions like this before. Um, Heaven's Gate. Oh, oh, that's a great pick. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you, have you seen it multiple times then? I assume if you're recommending it, I'm actually about to be on my second viewing. I saw it back in college and I was like, you know, I don't know if it's that I'm seeing the director's cut or that I'm just easygoing, but this is hardly an Ishtar or a any other kind of movie where I'm like, yeah, I can see why this is in the bottom 100. <laughs> oh, man. That's it a- is definitely not Ishtar. Actually, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. Oh, <laughs> okay. Audible. Ballistic X versus Sever. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's not that bad. Lucy Lou Ray Park. We're we're gonna talk about it, I think uh, next year because it comes up quite often. Really? That one you would recommend to folks? Yes. It's I have the soundtrack. Oh boy. Did you both versions? Did you see it in the theater? I did not. I wouldn't have been allowed at that time, but it is funny. For an R-rated movie, it's pretty tame. It is. I remember seeing it in the theater. It's uh, like one gunshot in the head and maybe one mumbled fuck, but I don't think there's anything that would really you know, there's no difference between that and the TBS version. Well, I think it was R-rated to keep people away from the bad <laughs> acting. <laughs> restricted no. for don't come. Yeah, restricted no. to taste. Um, I, I talked to the director, and he was a very lovely chap, and explained how he got kicked off that movie. Oh, geez. We, we might have to have you on when we talk about that one. To give us all the, <laughs> okay. the juicy details. Yeah, just like Jose tried to explain the abyss of hell that was the unwatchable showgirls. <laughs> That's that's true. Um, maybe you can redeem you X uh, the way that Jose did for Showgirls. Showgirls surprised us. You're right. He knew so much. He does. I had only seen the VHS VH1 version, so I'm like, yeah, no, there's nothing that can make this better. Oh, it did. No, seriously, <laughs> I would I would recommend Showgirls. It's it's so good. Um, Brad Moonfall. My yes, God, sir. you chose Moonfall. I yes. Uh, Some people say shoot for the moon, Troy, and you'll hit something or shoot for the stars <laughs> and hit the moon. yeah we hit something all right yep, yep. um did anybody uh between the three of us did anybody see this in the movie theaters i, I saw not. it on a plane if that counts Oof. oh you, oh wow i hope it was That's a long right. flight oh well um, I, I had a bunch of shit to watch for. <laughs> <laughs> this this is interesting so uh it comes mm. out well brad i tell you what just yeah, i'm gonna kick it over to you stuff. just start talking about this thing when it when it uh, was birthed <laughs> into the world. Yeah, so Moonfall was released upon us uh, February fourth, twenty twenty two, with a reported budget of a hundred and forty six million dollars. Troy, domestic total gross for Moonfall nineteen million dollars. Yeah, it's about add right. in. million internationally for a $67.3 million total box office run. That means Moonfall is the biggest bomb of 2022. In in context, yeah, in context, (laughs) around this time, 
we were getting that second surge of yeah. COVID. And an, another thing to keep in mind too, this is one of the few movies that was shown in China, I believe. Yes, and that makes better sense. China was not doing so hot in February. I mean, they haven't been doing so hot with the COVID thing all year. But mm -hmm. we were going through the second surge. China was really going through this. So it, in context, it kind of makes sense for February. February is not like a hot month for movies anyways. So this thing was, there was a lot of forces at play on this one. Yep. Yep. Um, opening weekend, we see it released uh, at ranked at number two with $9.86 million. It comes in second behind Jackass Forever. <laughs> which made $23 million its opening weekend, $23 million. Yeah. I was there opening weekend. I don't know about yeah. you guys. Um, it will never, ne people getting hit in the nuts will never not be funny. Yeah. It's good cinema. Man. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes. This is very interesting for the uh, critics. We have 36% with the audience. We have 70%. Shut the front door. What? Seven out of 10 people. If the audience think, you know what, Moonfall, now that's a good movie. <sighs> this is why oh. we this is why we can't have nice things. Yes. <laughs> and Troy, guess who doesn't think Moonfall is a very good movie? Oh, it's got pagan worldviews. Wait. Uh, the Christians. Okay. <laughs> so uh Movie Guide, which for those who don't know, is a Christian website that reviews films not for their quality, but for their content. And they use a scale of minus four, which is the moon colliding into the earth, and plus four, which means uh, I don't know. God created everything. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that one. But anyway, play along. Troy, where do you think Moonfall sits on uh, their scale? I'm going to kick it over to our, our guest, Cam. Oh, okay. Yeah, where, <laughs> where are you going to land on this one, Cam? Uh, is there negative 10 moons out of 10? <laughs> yes, it's negative 10 moons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um May I ask this, um, is Don't Worry Darling the second biggest flop this year? I'm not sure what the second biggest is. It might be. That's that's a good question. I don't know what the Christians <laughs> would think of that It might be Black Adam. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> given spent. I. You know what? I'm going to guess the Christians, given that this is very science-y, is going to give it a negative two. Joy Sour, you did it again, you yes. sly son of a bitch. Yeah. Two in a row. Good I know. Job. I know. I'm trying to apply some logic to this Christian thing. Um, <laughs> and it, it's paying off, I think. It is. It is. You're very, yeah, you're oh, getting there. Man. All Does right. Rex Reed like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, okay. Review. <laughs> Worldview content slash elements. Strong, humanistic, materialistic worldview about the origins of the moon and of human beings, including Strong. a few implied nods to the idea of evolution mitigated Ooh. by strong pro-life, redemptive, morally uplifting <laughs> content about taking care of one's family, sacrifice, and helping other people. That's two positive yeah. references to God. Yeah. See, that's what I was thinking. It's the whole alien thing versus... <laughs> Take care of your family. It kind of yeah, cancels it out, but it's still going to put you in the negative. I, I, I got think these. That just gave me brain cancer. I got this thing figured out. <laughs> All right, foul language. <laughs> About twenty-eight obscenities, including one f-word and an f-word written on a space shuttle. Two JC profanities. One GT. One GD profanity. Six light profanities. 
And one man says he has IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. Yeah. Apparently that is foul language. It is. Yep. Um, okay. Violence. Ooh, Troy. Yeah. This is a long one. And again, is this one of those, like it's a one sentence and you just ramble on and on and on. Yes. And okay. Yes. I'm ready for okay. it. Go for it. Strong me- action violence in a scientific setting, science fiction setting, including includes an artificial alien intelligence kills four astronauts. Since an, a spaceship spinning, woman astronaut is knocked out. A vehicle chase uh, with three thugs includes a gun battle during the chase and vehicle spinning. <laughs> vehicle spinning. Uh, sliding on uh, snowy mountain roads and trying to avoid meteors exploding. And a large 18-wheeler sent flying when the moon's gravity approaches Earth's atmosphere. And starts uh, sucking objects into the air. Helicopter explodes when a large gravity wave from the ocean causes caused by the moon approaches the chopper. Ocean waves flood a town in a hotel. <laughs> One man almost drowns when the wave splashes into the hotel's lobby. Chase inside the moon between a space capsule and an artificial intelligent swarm of nanobots. Man trapped under a tree. Another man gives up his oxygen mask for his daughter. Many meteors explode on Earth as the moon starts to break up, approaching the planet. Etc. Okay. Except they put in etc. After all of that. Okay. Because there's way more than um, sex, no sex or sexual immortality, Uh, immorality. I'm sorry. Immortality, immorality, nudity, no nudity, brief use of alcohol, no smoking or drugs and miscellaneous immorality, looting, vandalism, car theft and government conspiracy. Wow. That's a Wednesday. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. And lastly, <laughs> films you could have seen February of 2022. We already said uh, Jackass Forever, oh, man. which, again, seeing people get hit in the nuts, never not funny. Um, Black Light, which is that Liam Neeson movie. Death yeah, on the Nile. Marry Me, which is, I believe, Owen, Owen Wilson, Wilson yeah. Sarah Silverman uh, and something. Or pass. Jennifer Lopez, right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Uh, that's on VOD. That's on VOD. Dog. Remember the movie Dog? Oh, hey, I bought that on Black <laughs> Friday for like $5 because, you know, yep. tanning Chatham. And <laughs> speaking, of, yeah. speaking of films that might not actually be that bad, Uncharted. No, you don't. Not, you don't like Uncharted. I saw it on the same flight. Uh, oh that, God, that that is tie as a tie tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. You do not waste Banderas like that. You do not. No. I uh, I I had fun with that one, and I'm a big <laughs> like the greatest video game ever made is Uncharted Two. So it will never ever like uh, any of those adventure movies will never match that video game. But I still Fair had enough. I still had fun I, with Uncharted. I tried. I tried. Okay, that's all I got for you, Troy. Uh, all right. Well, look, um, we're going to talk about the people <laughs> who made this thing in front of the camera, behind the camera. I'm going to start with Roland Emmerich. So, Cam, Roland Emmerich, king of the disaster films, I think. But what, what's your thoughts on him as a director? He's essentially, I don't know why people, you know, they harp on all the U balls, they harp on all the like it or hate it's like, Brett Ratner, Michael Bay, and he gets a free pass when he takes his movies so seriously, and yet audience scenes 
uh, just audience members just seem to want to just willingly turn their brain off, even though they know it's dumb and I don't get it. And yeah, after White House down and his LGBTQ movie, uh, Stonewall, which also flopped, I was just like, it, the man ever since the Patriot just wants to keep making important movies, but he just plays the trumpets too loudly and he just has very fake looking CGI. And I think even after 2012, he just wants to keep just upping it, but he doesn't seem to be having any fun doing it. It's just too robotic, too mindless and too. Well, that's his thing too. He's not trying to be mindless, but yet that's the only way you can take it. And it's just too dumb by even mindless standards. It's blurring that line between fast and furious and just trash. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's, you know, that's it, it. That's an interesting, I like, I like some of your phrasing on that. It's too dumb to be mindless. Wow. <laughs> that, that should go on like a DVD cover me, art. Man. Oh my God. Um, <sighs> is there, is there a Roland Emmerich film? I mean, out of his filmography, is there one that you at least would say, okay, that's your favorite? No. No. Okay. <laughs> where, where do you stand, Brad? So I think his stretch between what 92 and 96. So he did uh universal soldier stargates and independence day. Yeah. I think independence day is an awesome action movie. Universal soldier. Another awesome action movie. Stargate. I can see why people don't like it. I think the premise of stargate is way better than the actual film. The TV show is better. Well, I never saw it, but there's <laughs> Kurt Russell too. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> and then I think, Godzilla was a massive miss for me. The Patriot, I think, is kind of fun in a way. <laughs> just because your boy Mel is like just hamming it up. And uh, but anything after like Day After Tomorrow, that film Anonymous was atrocious. Um, <laughs> and then Independence Day Resurgence might be one of the worst films I've ever yes. seen. And uh, I tried to watch that midway and I made it about 45 minutes and gave up. Um, Yeah. yeah, And then that gives us the moonfall. So I kind of think he's been trying to make like recreate the magic that was independence day since 96. And it just hasn't happened. Um, And the man has tried to destroy the earth in so many different ways, but (laughs) he kind of perfected it then. Um, and yeah, I think besides that, I think he's kind of a hack. I mean, he, he gets away with literally making the same movie all the time. And uh, Dean, his partner, Dean Dublin, has gone on to have a bigger TV career and even did uh, Geostorm and seems to just be having more fun. Than oh. him. And I don't know why oh, Geostorm. Um, <laughs> that's in our future at some point, Troy. I know. I, I, it's all good. Well, I'll oh. tell you what, Roland Emmerich's got six upcoming projects, according to IMDb, oh, too. God. So the guy is still working. I look Universal Soldier from '92. I think it's one of the perfect '90 films. Uh, it it's it's it, fine. It's just a little vague. It is. It, it 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 without Dolph, it would probably not be much. True. Well, I it, look JCVD and all of the trademarks of an early '90s JCVD <laughs> film are there. Um, yeah. I think as a director, I mean, I've seen surprisingly when I look at his. Uh, his filmography, I've seen like 90% of his stuff all the way back to making <laughs> yes. contact in 1985. I, I, I think I own it. Um, 
but I, I can't say there, there's always with his movies, there's elements that I like, but cohesively as a film, I, yeah. I can't ever go, well, that's a good film outside of, I agree with Brad, Universal Soldier, Stargate. Stargate, the problem with Stargate is there is a middle section that is boring as hell. Mm-hmm. And second act is Ooh, not It's great. rough. Um, first act and third act are fantastic. Independence Day, I think, kind of suffers the same thing. First act, Depends third act are day, great. You know? Yeah. It's the middle act is a little rough to get through. Um, I think I think that's his problem. He he. He, if you think about film in three acts, he's always got a problem with one or two of them. But I got to say this, there's always one act in his films that actually shines. So even Day After Tomorrow, which I think is a goofy film, there's a section in it that I really like. Um, yeah. But most of it, and, and that one, I think it's the second act I think I like more than the first and third act. Um, mm-hmm. But he is just not a cohesive filmmaker, in my not opinion. Coherent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the screenplay. So I did a little research. <laughs> there was a screenplay. There is a screenplay. Wow. Um, Damn. A bunch of eighth graders and a group of adults who flunked basic science, math, and physics in high school because their education was composed of weekly world news on a daily basis. They are the uncredited screenwriters. Um, <laughs> the ones that you will find on Wikipedia and IMDb are Roland Emmerich, Harold Closer, and Spencer Cohen. And you're thinking, who are these guys? Well, Roland Emmerich, I mean, he will do the screenplay for a lot of films that he directs. So you got Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, Day After Tomorrow. Uh, Spencer Cohen um, has done uh, Extinction, Moonfall, I think a TV movie called Stay. And Harold um, Closer did 10,000 BC, 2012, and Moonfall. So they've worked on a lot of different Roland Emmerich films, right? Mm-hmm. You've got cinematographer Robbie Baumgartner, uh, who has actually been on the show before. Do you remember the movie, Brad? Uh, I don't. Blair Witch in 2016. <laughs> yeah, you're one of your favorites, buddy. Um, oh, deep hurting. Yeah, he shot Midway, uh, Grave Intentions. He did two films this year, Moonfall and Not Okay. It's edited by Adam Wolf. Who worked again? You're you're going to see a lot of stuff where he's worked on the same stuff with Roland Emmerich, Midway, Independence Day, White Ass Down. It's funny though if you look through his filmography, and I always forget this film franchise. Like it has like a gazillion sequels, but uh, Adam edited Howling for the Freaks from 1991. <laughs> so there okay. you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Another <laughs> yeah, another editor is Ryan Stevens Harris, who again worked on Moonfall this year. He also did Moon Garden. Now, you talked about the production, Brad. I want to bring something up. Um, there are seven different 17. production companies um, from all over the world, but one name stands out, the Huai Brothers. Um, it's Huai Brothers International. They picked up a big chunk of the production. So you said it was about, what, 140? 146? Yeah, yeah they 146. did a lot. 40 million. 40 yeah. million of yeah. that budget was from them specifically. So that's going to make sense when we talk about the cast here. So let's talk about the people in front of the camera. So Cam, thoughts on Halle Berry? I was fortunate enough to see an interview where she talked about the movie and saw her, coincidentally, her classic episode of Inside the Actor Studio. I just recorded again and resaw. Um, she's come a long way. And uh, to her, I think, for many of these people, 
they're just familiar with, you know, again, Independence Day, Zilla 98, and they just said, okay, it's just mindless fare, go make that easy money. And I'm not saying the cast doesn't give it their all. I'm not really a Patrick Wilson guy, but she was the only reason I knew about this movie to begin with. Okay. And I didn't I didn't even see the trailer because trailers nowadays are just bad, give everything away. But I was just like, okay, Holly Berry, Roland Emmerich. Mm, that's not a good mixture. <laughs> okay. Um, Brad, what's your take on Halle Berry? At one point in time, I thought Halle Berry was amazing. Um, I mean, say what you will about her nudity and stuff in Monsters Ball, but still that performance is amazing. She's amazing. Um, Swordfish is another one that you're like, the only reason we saw it is because she was topless. But she got paid a lot of money for that, too, from Joel Silver. Uh, You know, I thought she was good as Storm for the first two films. And then, you know, coming back uh, for um, the Days of Future Past. But, um, yeah, man, she's not picked a lot of great stuff. Um, you see her in Bruges recently? No, I haven't. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen she that. She directs yet. an accident. It's, yeah. I think she's, uh, to your point, yeah, she, like many of the model turned actors, kind of like Charlize Theron, they, you'd be in a hit, then you'd be in a flop, and then you'd be, you know, like it or hate it. It's, yeah. Uh, I don't was, think her agent's as bad as Jamie Foxx's, though. <laughs> yeah. Troy, she was also in the film that we have. We have to just do this movie so we can get it over with. Catwoman? Film, no, film movie 43. Oh, Ooh. Jesus. I thought you were going to say so, Catwoman. Yeah, um, we have to do Catwoman at some point, too. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think Cloud Atlas is kind of interesting. Saw um, it in the theater. Oh, yeah. Okay. You were the one? You were the one that saw it in the theater? <laughs> I was one of many. Thank you, sir. Um <laughs> She was also in a movie called The Call, which is yes. directed by Brad Anderson. So I have to mm-hmm. say, since we share a name, I always have to bring him up. So, which, <laughs> which isn't, I'll say this that movie's actually not, not bad. It's not I, bad. It's, yeah. There's some good tension yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's a good, I, I like both of your guys' comments on that. She's, she's up and down, right? You'll see something yeah. like Catwoman. <laughs> um, I think she's the worst part of, is she the worst part of Die Another Day? I don't know. I thought yes. she was the best part of that awful movie. <laughs> Are you serious? I, I can't. I can't determine if she was the worst part or that stupid action sequence on the ice was the worst. No, part. no, no. The, the that worst one. Part. That the the parasailing on the ice thing is the no, worst sequence in no, any no. James Bond film. No, the worst part was the villain himself, Toby Stevens. And, oh yeah, he's terrible. Oh, and okay, for the longest yeah. time, I thought Rosamund Pike was wrecking every movie because she did that and Doom back to back, and then I was like, no, no, she's a good actress. She's just another British actor, you know, picking. Bad movies. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But then you're right. Monsters Ball, X-Men. Um, she's great in John Wick Chapter 3. Like, I got yeah. so... I think that's one of the highlights of that film is her and Mark Dacascos. Like, they, if you had told me that those two were going to overshadow Keanu Reeves, I'd be like, man, <laughs> you're crazy. But they do. They're fantastic. And her dogs. Yeah. And her dogs. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sequence is really badass. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, so we've also got Patrick Wilson as Brian Harper, which, um, I mean, Watchmen in 2009, the Insidious franchise, the Conjuring franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's been in Aquaman. I think it was in um, another DC film. What was it? Batman versus Superman or yeah, Orphan mm-hmm. Fight as uh, the president or something like that. He's in Young Adult with Charlie's, but oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I gotta say the 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 movie that made me a Patrick Wilson fan was 2015's Bone Tomahawk. Oh yes, that is. Yes. Fa- you don't like Bone Tomahawk? I 
I knew a lot of the shady producers who were on that movie, which oh. is why Cinestate got shut down. And I just didn't care for the whole John Wayne philosophy in that movie. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. I mean, it's... I get that they were trying to make a politically incorrect movie for the MAGA crowd. Their quote, not mine. But <laughs> I just I just didn't care for it. I think Kurt Russell's done better stuff. Oh, <laughs> well, yes. Well, yes. I, I think. Well, yeah, but I think Patrick Wilson is the like the star of that film. He he's why I enjoyed Bone Tomahawk, his performance specifically. I thought he was so. Am good. I the only person that likes that Watchmen movie a lot? I do. Cam and I love that film. We've watched I, it a couple of times. I really like it a lot. Even as someone who loved Watchmen the comic, I think they made some smart choices with the adaptation. So I agree. You you a Watchmen fan, Cam? Uh, not necessarily, but I'm glad others like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. very, it's a very nice answer. Do you, do you like the graphic novel? Are you a fan of that or, uh, you know, uh, uh, the most Alan Moore stuff I got into was V for Vendetta, which oh, yeah. I, I do actually like. Okay, cool. Uh, going down the list, Sorry. we've got John. Don't apologize. Look, the worst thing you can do is apologize for an opinion. That's just silly, man. You like what you like, right? So there you go. I just hate being a Debbie Downer. So anyway, you're not a Debbie. Shush. Shut up. Now we're going to make fun of you for being silly. Um, <laughs> you're, on, you're on the Moonfall episode. Don't you're on worry. a Moonfall episode. What the hell is wrong? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We got John Bradley as Casey Houseman. The only thing, I mean, I recognized him. I'm like, oh, that's Samuel, uh, Samuel from the yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, is we that got, who that was? Yeah. Samuel Tarly. Yeah. Samuel. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, we got his agent. Charlie Plummer as Sonny Harper, the, the son, right? I think so of Christopher, right? Yep. Yeah. Good uh, thing. <laughs> Nepotism is alive and well, Troy. It is. We got Boardwalk Empire, All the Money in the World, Spontaneous. Those are some of the things he's been in. So he's doing period stuff, and now he's doing a mindless. Yeah. Um, now, we, we talked about the um, Huai brothers being the $40 million backer of that big budget. Here's where some of your casting decisions come in, because you got to get that Chinese market. So <laughs> you got Win Win Yu. Um, also known as Kelly Yu, as Michelle. Now, she's a singer, songwriter, and actress. I don't think any American is going to know this person. It's not Kelly who, which I thought it was at first when he announced it. No, and, it. and like she was, yeah, I, I think she was in a Chinese film, um, which was the third in a trilogy, like Revenge of the X's or something of that nature. It got some not- notoriety because it was released about the same time or was released the same weekend as um rian johnson's uh second film of the star wars trilogy the last jedi the last jedi so it came out the second it came out the same weekend and why it got Uh notoriety is because uh her movie beat the last jedi in china (laughs) so there you go um now we get to some other character actors we get michael uh pena as tom lopez love that man he's amazing he's a great character actor Love He's it. in this movie for seven Shooter, minutes. Uh, uh, everything must go. He, yeah. Did, did anybody catch him on uh, a, a film a few years ago from 2016 called War on Everyone? Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, he's so Fall, good in that. Love down it. on steroids. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. Uh, Alexander Sarsgaard was in that, Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that movie's so Both good. Very unrecognizable. Yeah. You've got to go watch that, folks. It's a lot of fun. We get... Carol Bartskak as Brenda Lopez. Now, we got another X-Men alumni. She was in X-Men Apocalypse from 2016. (laughs) Um, M.A. Ikwakor is Doug Davidson, 
who this year was also in the gray man. Um, but if you want to go back to the comic book roots too, he played Gorgon in the inhumans TV series from 2017. Yeah. Which lasted a whole two minutes. So what you're asking is who here should actually just fire their agent. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are like (laughs) asking their management, like, what are we, what are we doing? What what are we doing? Uh, This last one I want to talk about real quick. Donald Sutherland as Holdenfield, AKA the crazy old man hanging out with file cabinets, AKA Mr. Exposition, AKA that same role from JFK, right? Yeah. Pretty much. AKA I'm probably shitting my pants cause I'm old and senile. Mm-hmm. Dude. No, yeah, no, that, that, there's the line. The you just pull the character, right the character is not Donald Sutherland himself. But the character is probably in that. <laughs> oh, basement thank just that. Okay. Thank you for clarification. We're, on wearing that a diaper. Okay. Know, yes. I agree with himself. that. <laughs> He's in the film for like two minutes and he's like one of the top people. Yeah, yeah I cameo. doubt he ever saw this movie. Um, oh, oh, he did not show up to the premiere. Dude, he's been in three he, things this year. Uh, Mr. Harriman's phone, Swimming with Sharks, a TV series in this film. Guy's still yeah. working. It's impressive. No, good for him. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's, here's where we're going to spend some time with real quick. So we talked about the people behind the camera, in front of the camera. Uh, you're we're dealing with a movie called moonfall. So the whole premise of this is the moon is crashing into the earth, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So if you're going to make a movie about the moon crashing into the earth and you're Roland Emmerich, what do you need in order to make a movie about the moon crashing into the earth? CGI. No more than CGI. It's more important than CGI. Maybe you need five moons like in, no, you don't, you don't need more terrible than five science, <laughs> not terrible science. You need astrophysics, aerospace experts and science people in general, right? You definitely need a sequence where someone almost falls to their death and someone with a supernatural grip rescues them at the last minute. Yes, but and do it a thousand times. You need, you need to do it scientifically, right? So I did some research. <laughs> Here are the people that worked on Moonfall to add some credibility to the science and (laughs) physics. All right. So let's start with aerospace consultant, Thad Chilcote. Now, Thad currently works for Aerojet Rocketite Holdings. Um, I did some research on him. I found a conference paper on the NASA website from Thad concerning, now this is what the paper is titled, Experimental characterization and analytical comparison of rolling element bearing radial stiffness. Okay, so we have an expert. <laughs> I'll show you my radial stiffness. Yeah, we he have an expert on radial hey, stiffness. Okay, <laughs> back. Astrophysical consultant Werner Gruber. Okay, now since February Is he related to Hans Gruber. No, no, no. I thought so. It's it's not actually. <laughs> Um, since February of 2013, Gruber manages the astronomical institutions of the adult education centers in Vienna, the Planetarian <laughs> Vine, the Kufner Observatory, uh, Observatory, excuse me, and the Urania Observatory. He teaches the Introduction to Physics at the Medical Faculty of the Sigmund Freud University in Vienna, <laughs> and at the Institute of Experimental Physics at the University of Vienna. So he is the consultant for astrophysical. Um, properties. Okay. Science consultants, Dennis Jenkins and Krista van Lerhoven. You're like, who are these people? I'm glad you asked. 
not Dennis, Paul Verhoeven's niece. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Dennis Damn. works as an advisor to the chair at California Science Center Foundation. And he used to work at the Kennedy Space Center and United Space Alliance. Krista is the vice president of the Yukon Astronomical Society. So that's pretty important, right? Her research area is orbital dynamics, particularly dynamics of the Kuiper belt of the multi-planet extrasolar system. We're not done here, folks. There are more <laughs> brains here. Scientific consultant, Mika McKinnon. Canadian field geophysicist, disaster researcher, and science communicator. She is a co-investigator of the Southwest Research Institute's project, Espresso. Do you know what Espresso stands for? Pro okay, yeah, got it. Exploration Science Pathfinder Research for Enhancing Solar System Observations. That's what Espresso stands <laughs> that for. That was going to be my guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was a science advisor to the science fiction television series Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Oh, More specifically, um, with regards to Project Espresso, she's currently exploring the effect of landslides on distant asteroids. That's what she's concentrating on right now. Mm -hmm. Still not done. Astronaut consultant David St. Jacques, Canadian astronaut with the Canadian Space Agency, the CSA. There you go. He's also an astrophysicist, engineer, and physician. One more space shuttle advisor. Um, Bajarni Trikovagvason, I don't, I'm slaughtering that name. <laughs> Another Canadian, okay, so Canadian engineer and NRC CSA astronaut. He served as a payload specialist on space shuttle mission STS 85 in 1980, or no, 1997, which was a 12 day um, mission to study the changes in Earth's atmosphere. Those are all the science um, people and astrophysics experts that worked on Moonfall. There you go. Now I know what you're asking. I'm gonna see. I'm, I need to see their degrees. I need. I need to see documentation that they're actually revoked. smart people. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you guys just real quick. This is separate from our thoughts on the film. Do you think the science is sound in Moonfall? Uh, no. <laughs> no. If you had to, ask, not even then close. You're not ready to go. <laughs> like a white dwarf? Uh, I, I can't. Are we going to do Why, this What's now? the white dwarf? What's the problem with the white dwarf? It's got like the the gravitational pull of a white dwarf is like 350,000 times like greater than Earth's. Uh -huh. You can't just get right up next to it and not be affected by it. Okay. You can. And, I mean, this makes sense if it's a private school type teachings and creationism worthy no <laughs> no yeah okay so i i did some research okay? i'm pretty sure you just can't look directly into a star like well, a white dwarf we don't know that i don't know man i think you can you're I not supposed you... to look at the sun <laughs> maybe that's i mean maybe okay listen here's some questions that i had all right how accurate is the science of moonfall so we're going to start with mika mckinnon so if you remember Mika, she's the scientific consultant. Here's her quote. There's a whole team of scientists involved in this who are doing all sorts of different bits and pieces of it. And it included doing actual models of what happens when the moon gets closer and how close we can get before we hit the Roche limit. Do you know what the Roche limit is? That's when Earth's gravitational pull will, will pull in the okay, moon, right? Heard this. Yeah, so it's the point where the gravitational stresses on it and the tidal stresses on it would rip it apart, and we'd no longer have a moon. We'd have rings like Saturn. 
Mm -hmm. right? So you're talking about gravitational pull, moon gets closer, breaks it up, um, and then all of a sudden we look like Saturn, okay? <laughs> um, now she goes on, we really did actual, we, we really did actually use real science as the inspiration and the seed for this of what sort of things would happen. She goes on to say, so I'd say that all of the disasters in the movie are science inspired, okay? I would say Jurassic Park is also uh, yeah. inspired by uh, scientific ideas, but okay. no sun. So then the next question is, can the moon crash into the earth? Because that's the whole premise of it, right? I, I found <laughs> Professor Kathy <laughs> Romer, astrophysicist at UK's University of Sussex. All right. Now, this is what Kathy says about that premise. The only way in real life is if there's another large object or objects, you could do it with multiple objects, to disrupt its orbit. Because although the moon is attracted to the earth by strong gravitational force, it can't fall into the earth because it's got angular momentum. Mm -hmm. So it's the same reason all planets go around the sun and all moons go around the respective planets. It's because you can't fall in due to that angular momentum. So something would have to push it directly in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Is the moon hollow? Because that's that's a big plot point of this, right? I think it's made out of green cheese, though. I thought so, too. Oh, my God. Are you a Wallace and Gromit fan, too? <laughs> I knew that for years before watching that. <laughs> okay. It's not made of cheese. All right. So the first public... Made of produce, right? Didn't that work? <laughs> it is flat, though. Yeah. It is flat. No. The moon is flat. We know that. Um, the first publication to mention a hollow moon... Do you guys <laughs> know where this comes from? Uh... Infowars or what? Tell me. No, it's, <laughs> it's 1901. It's H.G. Oh. Wells's novel, The First oh. Men in the Moon. Yeah. Okay. Now, in 1970, <laughs> two Soviet authors published a short piece in the popular press speculating that the moon might be, quote, the creation of alien intelligence. Mm. There you go. I think these were the same two gentlemen that have a podcast that claimed that uh, Maverick... Top Gun's Maverick from this year wasn't Was very dead good. The whole time? Yeah, so <laughs> those Russians over at the Gentleman's Guide to Oh yeah, yeah, Midnight Summer there. Um, so here's another thing: Kathy Romer says about the whether the moon's hollow. It's very simple physics to figure out how massive the moon is. Most of the density <laughs> of the moon is in the middle, like most of the Earth's mass in the middle. Yeah. The only way for a hollow moon to work is if you could mimic extra mass. It's basically all just mind-boggling nonsense. No, it can't be hollow, right? Yeah, be, I mean, look at everything we know about the way objects work in space. It, it yeah, it wow. just would defy everything that we math know. math says it's not hollow. Okay, here's here's another question: Can tidal waves and gravity waves occur if the moon is on a collision course of the Earth? What do you guys think? Because I, I think people used to over inflates the importance of the moon on on the tidal waves i believe it does but i think it's because of the way of the shape of the earth is actually kind of bowed out at the equator so i'm yeah, gonna go not, ahead and say perfect circle yeah it's not a perfect circle it's like yeah it's kind like of 40 41 kilometers like longer at the equator than but um i'm gonna say no just because <laughs> I have no, I have no reason. You wouldn't be asking it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. This is, this is from professor Kathy Romer as well. Uh, she says, I mean, a tidal wave fine. So yeah, tidal waves actually. Yes. But gravity wave is a stretching of time and space. 
it's not a great big wave. And the sort of floating up into the sky of stuff is not really plausible because the gravity from the earth is still stronger than the yeah, gravity so, from the moon. That's what I kept thinking because the earth is 400 times bigger yep. than the moon. Therefore it's, well, not there. I mean, so our gravity, the effect of the moon's gravity wouldn't outweigh the effect of earth's gravity because yeah. it's 400 times smaller. Yeah. The, the only way it would work is if the moon had the mass of the sun and then everything, then you would have gravity issues, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So here, Oh yeah. Cause can't have any gravity in this movie. Yeah. So here's another question I had. Would atmosphere be affected by the moon getting closer and is Colorado more specifically Aspen the safest place to go when the moon is crashing into the earth? It won't matter I mean, if it's colliding. Weed is legal there, so that's where I would go. Because if the earth is ending, I'm eating as much edibles as I can before uh, everything goes bye-bye. Um, yeah. I mean, our atmosphere uh, does burn up objects as it enters, but I don't know if the moon being the mass that it is would be affected by that. I'm going to... Hmm. I'm going to say no again, Troy. <laughs> Is that your vote too, Cam? Yeah, absolutely. It, <laughs> okay. So here's the interesting thing. Mika McKinnon, who was a consultant on here, her specialization is like disasters, right? Sp of, of this kind of nature. So as and this kind of makes sense, as the moon gets closer, the tides get stronger and stronger. So the moon does control the tides. Suddenly, you have a high tide and a low tide for your air. Places that are higher elevation having low air tide means they don't have enough air anymore. So it actually would suck the atmosphere and air out of the high altitude issues. Um, now, Professor Kathy Romer has an issue specifically with one part of the movie. Um, just just one part she is as an issue. Well, okay. on this question, on this question. Okay. okay. So she had an issue with why the atmosphere would come back at the end of the film, right? <laughs> so there's no reason for the atmosphere to come back. And why did they all go to Aspen? If you're going to go somewhere safe, you don't go into the mountains because of that issue. Mm -hmm. There you go. So there, there's this is what I did for about three nights this week. Uh, because after watching this film, I'm like, the science in this is kooky, but I got to say the, the quote that kind of sticks out is, um, that it's science inspired and you would, you would be surprised when you actually do some reading on this, a lot of the science and the physics and astrophysics can, are, are just, they're, they're bonkers, but there's a good chunk of it that is based in, um, theoretical, this is what would happen based on the modeling that we have for these type of scenarios. But keep keep in mind, like realistically today, the moon's actually getting farther from us, not closer. <laughs> um, so the model minimally, minimally, minimally. minimally. Yeah. So the modeling is it, we, they have math and modeling kind of based on scenarios that they've studied before. Uh, but more importantly, all of these talking heads and scientific theories, they really don't matter. The government's been lying to us about aliens for like how many years? So I'm pretty sure that Moonfall <laughs> is scientifically accurate. Um, it might be made out of cheese. It might be flat. I don't know. Haven't been there. So, um, but there you go. There's your science lesson. I, I figured if we're going to end the year, let's end the year with with a little bit of a science lesson. Does your head hurt yet? Well, you, 
it's they call it, they say it's a white dwarf. I, I just don't understand just going right up against right next to a white dwarf and I wasn't even looking. gonna take you down the crap I found on mega structures. That oh god that conspiracy theory crap is nuts. Um yeah. this is this is the science portion of it. Uh how about we take a quick break and we share our thoughts on the scientifically accurate 2022 film Moonfall. I, sounds like a good plan to me, right? Yeah. All right. <sighs> oh, Brad, take a drink. We'll be right back. Well, you see what I get from the refreshment counter. Oh, boy, popcorn and hot dogs and ice cream. And oh, boy, sparkling ice cold Coca-Cola. Oh, boy, that tastes good. Have you been to the refreshment counter? Remember, your favorite snack will taste especially good with world-famous ice-cold Coca-Cola. Beyond hunger and war, beyond earthquakes and tidal waves, there is a fate the human mind can barely comprehend. Total annihilation. And there is nothing on Earth or anywhere else to prevent it. End of the world. You have everything to look forward to. Except tomorrow. It's probably science fiction, but what if it's not? Rated PG. Warning! Godzilla vs. The Thing, a shattering motion picture not for the weak of heart. Here in all its astounding realism is a soul-shocking experience. How much terror can you stand? What was this thing of unbelievable and unequaled terror that challenged Godzilla to a battle of unhuman strength versus supernatural evil? Godzilla versus the thing. See the war of the giants. See the birth of the world's most terrifying monster. See armies of the world destroyed by the thing. The producers of Godzilla vs. The Thing issue warning to those who cannot take its full horror. To you with guts, you must see Godzilla vs. The Thing from the beginning in color scope from American International. Okay, let's get into this. Cam, I'm going to start with you. Um, we've been trying to get you on the show for a couple episodes, and it just hasn't worked out for scheduling. That's so the worst. we we brought you on for, again, probably the most scientifically accurate movie that we've ever <laughs> discussed on the show, much less released this year. Let's face it. They had a lot of brains on this one. I got to get your initial thoughts on Moonfall. What, what did you think as your first time watch? So I already knew that regardless of – whoever attached their name to it, you know, it wasn't going to be Bill Nye, the science guy or <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson researched. So, and I also know that Roland Emmerich does zero research regardless of who he has as a consultant. So that didn't bug me. What bothered me was knowing just how much effort I was going to have to shut my brain off. Cause I already know you have to, but how much effort 
do you have to put in to shut it off? <laughs> so and, when when you say I, that it's uh you you know what you're getting into, but it's really right. about the suspension of disbelief, like how how much effort you got to put into that. Right, you can't suspend belief. So now you just got to see can I at least enjoy it in a cheesy movie way? And it, I didn't even last 10 minutes. It was instant, just reject, reject, reject. And I, I have never had to try that hard at all his other movies. Uh, but I, I, no, I take it back. Probably Independence Day 2. And uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned Brad uh, Anonymous, but uh, this is just some real competition here. We're just really just beside ourselves because we're, it's already wasn't going to be a winning movie, but I, I, le- I guess I could say I forgot this one the most. So that's how much deep hurting it was. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I just couldn't fathom any kind of effort, any kind of interaction. And I, I honest to goodness, just it's, it's a blurb on Holly's resume. I, I just don't even remember it after seeing it. <laughs> I, so I have a question. Are, are you, we had talked before we started I think you're a mystery science theater fan. Correct. Yes. Okay. So you've seen your fair share of cheesy films. Is that a, is that an accurate? Yeah, but I wouldn't want to see a riff tracks of this. I've already seen a riff tracks of his Godzilla and I I could see plenty of material there because of just how over the top the nineties were with this. I I think we're, I don't know if I'm just getting too cynical or what. (laughs) It's just, it's just a real endurance test, but yeah, you know, no, actually, you know what? I'll tie this with White House down because White House down when you got the president getting fired on by his own men in a <laughs> remote control vehicle just yeah. takes the cake. But this is this is up there because you already know the science is going to be bullshit, but you also know that everyone's going to be trying to justify this all too much to you to where it's just like, well, what's the point? <laughs> I can't rely on an actor to make shit stink less. I just can't. <laughs> so, but if this, if this were done out, let's say you discovered it and it's a long, long lost artifact of the sixties and maybe it wasn't Ooh. CGI, but it was practical effects. Would you have enjoyed this more or would you have enjoyed it with some type of it would, MST riff tracks thing? It would then depend on, I guess, if it was in the 60s, then I would probably take it as it would probably be a weird Twilight Zone Forbidden Planet knockoff and probably tolerable, probably a five or six out of ten type movie versus this where I'm just just flabbergasted because I'm just like, this is the tone is all over the place. The movie literally just it kind of just starts and it never lets you go in the worst possible way. <laughs> okay. Is is there anything about this film that you find redeeming? Other than Holly Berry, no. Oh, oh man. That's rough. All right, Brad, what, what what's your I take know. on this one? Oh boy. Um <laughs> I, I I gotta say, um, Roland Emmerich is not my favorite director. And I think as we were stating earlier, his output recently has been pretty atrocious, Mm -hmm. but I was hoping that this one was like dumb enough where it was like enjoyable, just being so stupid. You're just like, Oh, this is so dumb, but I kind of like how dumb it is. Um, Mm -hmm. I found this one almost offensive, (laughs) like giving giving credence to conspiracy theorists, I think is dangerous. 
Um, uh, like, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Like this, essentially this movie is saying, Hey, maybe we should listen to these people who are mm-hmm. saying all this crackpot stuff. Hey, maybe the earth is flat. We don't know. Like, <laughs> well, no, we do. We do know that the earth is not flat. Um, just cause you can't understand the science doesn't mean that it's not real. Um, and, and so that really bothered me. And then there's this whole shit about him taking pills and he takes a blue pill and he takes a red pill and he's getting red pilled. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Um, and then there's some <laughs> moments where he's talking about Elon Musk. And I'm like, this is aged. Well, yay. Let's talk about Elon Musk. And Within a year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, right? And how he's going to save all of us. Like, really? Oh, okay. Why do you think he gives <laughs> so much attention to all kinds of people? Like he'll, he has a very even distorted kind of political agenda too. Like, yeah. cause like, it's not even an agenda you can even really like fathom. Like, so what did that even mean? Having someone who looks like a political candidate, like why not just have them cameos themselves at this point? Cause it doesn't contribute anything to the narrative whatsoever. And I you know, he's probably got a distorted political viewpoint. So it's just like, just, I, yeah, it's yeah. just it might have been just, it might have been Elon Musk was just at that point topical for when they made it right no it, Maybe it, it was I mean it, there's I like I think it's more centered around SpaceX which I get yeah if you're gonna make a movie about space maybe SpaceX comes into it um, I was almost expecting like Elon to walk on and say hey no use one of my rockets you know I'm you know gonna save us all but luckily that didn't happen but I think. Like Patrick Wilson is fine, Halle Berry is fine, but you know the script and what they're having to say is pretty terrible. And then you have great character actors like Michael Pena in this movie, and he's in it for seven or eight minutes, and you barely know anything about him. So when he dies, you're like, I I really don't care. Like we've been with this guy for seven minutes. Why am I supposed to care? And and like the whole plot line with the kid getting arrested and like, that's why he's doing this. It's like, Hey, Patrick Wilson, the world is going to end. So you don't need motivation. Your motivation is saving the world. Your kid in prison is like, it's immaterial at this point in time. Um, uh, but I think if you're going to make a disaster movie and it's going to cost you almost $150 million, the goddamn CGI better look great. And it does not. It looks so bad. There is a flood scene that looks really terrible. All the special effects are like almost laughably bad. It's got like the sheen I, over it. It I doesn't don't, look good. I don't even know. So I, and I wonder, wonder if it's like a COVID thing where, you know, well, CGI I think, houses were having to do everything remotely and all this stuff. And it I, was, I don't even think the CGI, the, the majority of the CGI that bothers me are the static shots where you know that Patrick Wilson or somebody's standing in front of a green screen in the background of a neighborhood or often mm-hmm. that's fake. <laughs> yeah. Like when the cars are driving on the snow and that, oh, like yeah. the, the chase, I was like, this looks like it was from. 15 years ago like what are we doing and again they got national like, geographic footage that's at a different raw camera <laughs> speed yeah, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm like okay so maybe you know they had 1700 special effects shots i'm mm. sure they had to rush if you have that many like 150 million dollars doesn't sound like enough money 1700 special effects shots is a lot um and, and, and again, a lot of those shots are not um 
again, the, the, the thing that baffles me is you would expect the CGI shots would be for the spectacle. A lot of CGI shots are we're in a room and we're exchanging, but it's two people standing in front of a green screen of a room. Yeah, I wonder because of COVID and this was done during COVID, if a lot of the actors aren't on the same on the same. I wouldn't. They're be not on the set at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So, you know, you film your you know dialogue on this green screen. I come in later and then they composite us together. It would also make sense because the way these characters speak to each other, it's like this doesn't flow at all. Um, all the kid actors are pretty bad. But at the end of the day, it's just not a fun movie. I yeah. paused this film so many times to see how many how many minutes I had. And uh, I remember pausing it about 25 minutes in and noticing it was over two hours and like having to get up and start walking around for a second. I'm like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna be a marathon. And I did it again and again. And then I remember they finally start like getting to the third act and there's like 50 minutes left and I'm like what is going on like why is this taking forever and and that last act doesn't really pay off anything like you would think the moon getting that close <laughs> to the earth would be like cool but it's it's really not like it's just kind of like skimming the top of the earth's atmosphere and, I don't I, I don't know I just don't know it's not it's not a good movie and it's not bad enough to be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so dumb. Like the fact that there's a white dwarf inside of the moon and you just can't yeah. get over that white dwarf thing. Can no. You? And then there's like this AI thing. And then Samwell at the very end is like a part of the consciousness of the whole mega structure and his mom and I'm just like this. There's just too many strings that we are pulling here and too many stupid <laughs> subplots that this movie has like 17 subplots that don't need to be here. Here's yeah. here's the plot of the movie. The moon is crashing towards the earth. I don't need to know about your grandma. I don't need to know about your kid going to prison. I don't need to know about your divorce. I don't need to know about any of that stuff. Just save the goddamn earth. That's all you need to do. And they overcomplicate it. So it's just not a good movie. And it's two hours and 10 minutes, which uh, you're asking a lot. Time suck. Yeah. Um, I'll, okay. I'm, I'm just going to throw a couple of complimentary comments out there. There's compliments. There are. So I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious. To hear these. I'm going to say this. Uh, <laughs> all of the destruction with the moon coming into the earth. I don't know so much about the tidal wave stuff, but I can sit there and say there are some scenes or elements especially when you see the, I, I think it's the Roche effect um, with the moon breaking up and you get the asteroids colliding. I think it's kind of cool to watch. I, I will say this. Um, you can't dismiss Roland Emmerich's talent for making things blow up and creating some impressive disaster sequences because this film, I think, is inconsistent in that you, you have too many shots where it doesn't work, but I think there are a handful of shots where it does look good. Sure. Just think about gravity came out in 2013. Think about that first part in gravity. Oh, I, where, where the stuff is going around the earth and it's going so fast. And it's like this tense moment. I can't nine years later, we do it here and it looks so much worse. I think I, I that's a hard one to describe because 
there, I can specifically remember some shots of the moon coming up over the earth and they, they've got a few shots where it looks kind of impressive. Now it looks all CGI. It looks like a map painting in some regards, but I still think some of it looks good. I think the destruction in some sequences look good. The moon stuff don't like the interior of the moon, the mega structure. And just as a side note, if you were to make this a drinking game and take a shot every time they say mega mega structure, oh, you'd um, be dead. You'd be, you'd be dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, here's my thing with Roland Emmerich, and and I've always felt this about him. So Hong Kong action films. If you think about the '80s and '90s, you have a director and you have an action director. So the director composes the majority of the film and call it the emotional beats and, and the acting portion. When the action director comes in the action director takes over the filming and the direction of the action sequences. So you almost have two co-directors on the film, right? That's why in Hong Kong you get an award for best director, but you also get an award for like best action director too, or action sequence because in, in those sequences, whoever the action director is, Yun Wu Ping or something of that nature, they're directing that entire sequence. The, the, director of the film is off to the side just watching he's not participating <laughs> i i feel like um roland emmerich should film his movies like hong kong did in the 80s and 90s and say okay roland you're gonna go hire somebody for the human elements and the story beats <laughs> and you get to direct the reversed. disaster shit um and it actually may turn out to be a really good film because his biggest problem is directing a movie when crap isn't blowing up. Um, he's not interested in it. He, he's not. Well, I think yeah. he's interested in it. He just doesn't have the talent to do it. Right. Um, he, he doesn't ask for a second opinion. I Did you see that interview I sent you with a Hollywood reporter? Yes. No, and it, it's a great example. If you, and that's a, that's a great example if you go and look at interviews with him. I it, Even there, there's segments where these scientists that they hire, and they're like, Roland, that's... Somehow physics works, and he's like, da, 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 it's for the story, right? So he he's not interested in anything outside of what he's going to display. Um, he sounds jealous when being compared to Don't Look Up. Now, I'll be honest, I was let down by it. I didn't find it appealing. I didn't find it to be Adam McKay's strongest satire. But he seems to be very annoyed that there's all these famous people in it when, A, that's the joke, and B, he has no shortage of A-listers in his movies. He just seems to be like a very bitter old man. Oh, Don't Look Up is a masterpiece compared to Moonfall. Anything is a masterpiece to this. Oh, my God. Um, you, you, Yeah, you, you kind of hit on this. Why, why is the movie two hours and ten minutes? For comparison, Sharknado, which I think is in the same vein, is about 90 minutes. Like, yeah. It's 80-some it's minutes on TV, but if you buy the Blu-ray for the extended cut, it's only like 90 minutes. Um, and if you think about it, like... I stopped it a couple of times just to see where we were at in, in a time scale. <laughs> so the first 40 minutes is finding out the moon is falling and everybody's running around going, we got to save our kids. That's the first right. 40 minutes, right? Something to that extent. Yeah. Yep. So now after the first 40 minutes, you get 20 minutes of explanation of what a mega structure is and how they're going to get to the moon. So that's the next 20 minutes. So the first hour is just talking heads about we got to <laughs> save our kids and, and the moon's hollow. It's a mega structure. Then you get 70 minutes of disaster sequences 
Um, you also get aliens chasing our heroes inside the moon. You get hey, a guess what done much better in independence day. Okay. Yeah. Um, you get a hillbilly version of fast and furious. Um, <laughs> you get a wacky science um, elements all over the place and lots. And I mean, lots mm-hmm. of bad acting. Um, the only person. Uh, yes. And the, and the only, the only person or thing that actually comes out looking good is uh, Fuzz Aldrin. So that's the cat. Um, I think that's actually the best actor in the film. Um, is that a play on Buzz? Yeah, yeah Buzz, Buzz Aldrin. Aldrin, but it's yeah, the cat, Fuzz go. Aldrin. Yeah, but nah. I mean, Buzz Aldrin was... It's Fuzz I mean, Aldrin. Neil's the guy. No, no, it's Fuzz Aldrin. I, I know, I like but... That. How are you going to make a cat pun off of Neil Armstrong? You can't. It's Fuzz Aldrin. It's perfect. Um, the other okay, thing... if you want to be a number two your whole life, Troy, I'm a number one guy. Well, give me a cat pun based on Neil this Armstrong. This whole movie is a number two. So yeah. maybe he <laughs> know. Maybe he True. does know he sucks. Yes. So here's my theory to you, Troy. Yeah. Is Roland Emmerich comes off as just very self-absorbed, not caring for everything. Love, love, lovey, dovey. I'm, I'm the best. Do you think he might be... Uh, oh, who's the guy who just made all those awful movies? Uh, you know, Tommy Wiseau or... Um, <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Uve uh, Bull? <laughs> no, no. Yuval knows he sucks, but he can't. He's more of a locker room guy who then actually takes out his frustration. Um, uh, the guy who was d- making all those awful movies, Fateful Findings. Uh, Neil Breen. Do you think he's like Neil Breen where he absolutely knows he sucks, but he has to play it straight face? Like, no, no, you're going to love this movie. Um, no, I, I think Roland Emmerich. So here's he's my actually theory. lost his mind. I don't know if he's lost his mind. I, I think it's this. Roland Emmerich finds things that he's fascinated with and then tries to make a movie off of it. I, I, and it, here's here's proof or exhibit A. I don't know if it's proof, but I'll give you an exhibit A. <laughs> I think Roland Emmerich just watched the Matrix trilogy last year. And he's like, oh, my God, I love the Matrix trilogy. I don't know what Roland Emmerich sounds like. <laughs> in that, in and, that yeah. way. and he goes, uh do you remember that one section where Neo just sits in a white room with tons of exposition? That was my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yep. yeah, here we got Moonfall with something that feels like a hybrid of the ending of Contact, which sucks. You don't get to see aliens. You see a dad. Um, <laughs> and uh, the whole white room sequence of, what was it, Matrix Reloaded? Um, the second one, I think, is when it yeah. happens. With the architect? With the architect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think he goes, yep, that's going to be in my next film. It's going to be a big chunk of the the second or third act. Um, I think he I think he thinks he has talent, which you, you one of you may have already said this. This should be fun. Like, and, yeah. and here's the thing. I think if you actually get rid of the first 40 minutes – and you just have, okay, give me 20 minutes of the megastructure and what's going on, and then give me seven minutes of disaster, you you could have something closer to... Something. Yeah, Sharknado-ish type fun. <laughs> um, and it would work. But the first 40 minutes, the problem with it is, I think it's a contest on who's delivering the worst performance. I mean, you, you mentioned that Halle Berry was good in it. I think... I think it's a tie between Halle Berry and Charlie Plummer as who's trying to go for the worst dialogue delivery and 
Oh, Charlie Plummer is wooden as all hell. I'd say Patrick Wilson. He's like a pine tree. Oh, you, your, your vote's on Patrick Wilson? Yeah, mm. he's already an abyss of just nothing really there. Um, I saw a gifted man more than I care to. And I feel like he's even more dead inside than these asteroids <laughs> and lifeless explosions. Hot take. I'm sorry. No, that's Not good. Sorry. I just, I the first 40 minutes tank this film in my opinion oh no absolutely it's already dead on arrival but <laughs> when the asteroid finally like you know hits anything you just don't feel the impact <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i mean it, i'm surprised this isn't like a sci-fi channel original film yeah but see then this is where we get into those guys are already working with nothing which is low budget you know Bullshit. This is a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Uh, but if, if the no Sci-Fi Channel came in, and yeah. uh, here here's my theory: if this was a hundred and fifty million dollars Sci-Fi Channel's, like, dude, we're doing a movie about the moon crashing into the Earth, they would have made it right. better because they would have cut that first forty minutes out. Yeah, yeah, they, they would have gotten, gotten straight to shit hitting the fan and yeah. had some Star Trek, Babylon Five, or other out of work B movie soap opera actor in there hamming it up. It would have been yeah. Fun. The the Asylum <laughs> version of this, the Transmorphers oh, version of this, would be so much better. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I agree. I, hey, look, I I'll say that you you made a comment, Brad, about uh, not giving this conspiracy theories. The other compliment I'll give this film is it comes up with some crazy just wacky science and logic but if it does anything it sticks to it so mm -hmm. ha half of the science in here is bs the other half is actually grounded in some math and the stuff that's bs they they don't let it go it pops up over and over again and i actually appreciate movies that go okay here's our rules and we're going to stick to it and they do this whole gravity wave thing and bouncing around like they're in a fun house to get away from exploding trucks and stuff. They, they do it all over the place. A tree lands on a guy. Yeah. And he's fine. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sure. Why not? I, I don't know. I, there, there, I can't, how do I, there are, there are actually aspects of this film. I kind of appreciate Troy sour. I, I do. I do appreciate, I do appreciate the destruction and I do appreciate the wackiness of that last hour. Dude, there's like this AI bullshit in this. Like, oh, not man. in this. That's, that's not in this movie. Like it doesn't. It. It's too <laughs> grand for its own good. Like the moon just needs to crash into the earth and we need to stop it somehow. They do. I, they get they get aliens to help them. It's like these really? weird like <laughs> proto human aspect to the thing and there's this nano thing that's hunting oh i it look the dude why what, it's like, happening is doing? totally stupid and again the whole matrix ripoff thing is dumb oh yeah the the whole squid looking thing yeah, is, yeah that's yeah. that's that's stupid but but it's in the same sense as matrix is already insulted <laughs> <laughs> but i mean what it, I it's exactly look if you put those scenes back to back you'd be like <laughs> oh dude um, why, why isn't, uh, somebody suing Roland Emmerich for just stealing? Um, right. but no, I, 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 I look, I'm not saying I saw the box office receipts. And I'm like, well, we couldn't get that much money. So <laughs> they're already in the hole. Yeah. No, I just, I, I think, I think it's a terrible film, but there are aspects of it where I go, I kind of appreciate it. the problem is I would love to take this thing 
and uh, fire the editors and get a you know some really good edit. I, I want the editors from Sharknado to work on this, <laughs> and I bet you they would turn this into something that's fun. They would just have all these just random just stuff happening in the background where you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but wouldn't wouldn't that be bad? I mean, my question earlier, I don't think is totally off track. If this were a '60s film or '70s film, and even if it with the maybe you ramp up the bad CGI, like don't clean up the CGI, but ramp, ramp up the bad CGI and turn it into an 80 or 90 minute film. This would be a blast to watch. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe uh, I'm just trying to picture. I mean, yes, the seventies animation would give it some camp value. I'm just trying to picture this with book Rogers type sets and. Oh dude, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Gil Gerard I mean, and stuff. If, it, if, if, if it's a Roger Corn production, I'll give you that. But, yeah, I, I I think I think the problem, and you can call me crazy, which I'm sure you will. I'm crazier. It's all good. Okay, cool. Roland Emmerich wants to be, I think, a Roger Corman to a certain degree, where he wants to make movies. But if he actually legit wanted it to be fun, and you know, Rogers both, you know, been pretty blunt. Just don't take my movie seriously. And yes, I'm a ripoff. You know, eat your heart out. Yeah, and I, I think it's that aspect. Like Roland Emmerich didn't get the memo on "Don't take my movie seriously." So <laughs> I, I, I think he's trying to add some. Yeah, he well, or he's he's too much in love with the idea, and he wants to add some gravity or seriousness to it. But he, if he would take that Roger Corman approach to it, and just say, "Let's make a fun disaster film," and back off on the heavy child. Um, going to jail and divorce issues and crap like that. I want it to be fun. Yeah, and just and just concentrate on the things that would have made those you know '60s or '70s sci-fi films that are endearing. They they may be call inept. This, call this Capricorn too. Something, man. I, I just <laughs> Capricorn one. And, and I think modern filmmakers don't understand that. I think modern filmmakers chase after those '60s or '70s sort of endearing sci-fi elements. Mm-hmm. But they are trying to add some seriousness or gravity that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely tell that the premise was so thin, or maybe not thin, but like maybe the studio was like, hey, there's got to be some sort of drama on Earth, too, to, so we feel for <laughs> the end of humanity. And you don't yeah. need that stuff when it comes to the end of the earth. We don't need to know about people's families or uh, prison sentences and all that. Like we, we can kind of place ourselves in that situation. And if the moon was coming to crash into the earth, we don't need context for why that's bad. We know it's bad. Um, I'm just curious after this, cause this was like, an immense bomb, like huge, mm-hmm. huge bomb. Yep. If we see the scope of Roland Emmerich's films get like cut in half and, and cause I don't think anyone gives him $150 million again, why he is not in movie jail for some of these films is amazing. To he me. must just be really pleasant. And on I, budget. whose dick does he have on his phone <laughs> oh that he can God. sabotage somebody? <laughs> well, in this case, it was his own because he well, funded it. He kept yeah. saying, I own 50% of this movie. Well, he, he got Oblivious. a lot of backing from a ton of different. I know he's got like seven different, but yeah. like, I'm going to blame Elon Musk. If he's talking about him so much, he must've been a, you know, 
offshore maybe, holdings maybe, or something. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I think Moonfall, Moonfall highlights a problem with some of the popcorn films. I think, Cam, you mentioned Fast and Furious. I know I mentioned it as a hillbilly <laughs> Fast and Furious. Like, I don't, I don't really give a crap about the family aspect. I just want to yeah, see like, the cars and the action and stuff like that. Oh, exactly. There's but, people who are going to still see it just because they like the actors and other stuff. Then, yeah. And, and I mean, Transformers is another example. Yeah. And obviously, I'm going to watch Expendables 4 when that comes out. You know, it's, it's a matter of whatever your nostalgia is. I mean, people who like wrestling know the lowbrow nature of it. But it's all about, like you say, the fun factor. And as Brad has already hit the nail on the head, I mean, you already had this in the bag before we even started this up. But this is like, this is it, it is kind of just like you say. There are shots that is like, yeah, not too shabby, not bad. But then it does make you wonder: could an editor salvage any of it? Is he unbearable in the editing room? Does he ask for stuff that even the editors just can't take him seriously? I, I want to know if there's. I want to know someone who's been fired from a movie just because they, you know, unintentionally guffawed during a, you know, boardroom <laughs> meeting. You know, like, no, you I just and that that won't happen. I, I think I think there's a misconception that some of these films have to have some gravity or seriousness or family or or that gotta, they can be serious or, or you, you gotta can't take it serious or yeah I, I feel like some of these films come out and it's like well you have to have this emotional connection to the character do I really. Um, I, there some of the best eighties films. I don't necessarily have an emotional, um, you, uh, tango and cash. I just, it's the first yeah. one that comes to mind. I don't have an emotional connection to Kurt Russell, Sylvester Stallone, but I hey, think her, that the sister character is very important to that film. Uh, no, it's not, it, but, <laughs> but it's a fun I film. <laughs> it's a fun film. Um, yeah. because yeah. that's the focus on it. Now are there other, cause they have a cool truck. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying you can't have that in there. I'm just saying you've, you've got to know the movie you're making and what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like when I look back and look at these like eight or nine scientists and astrophysicists and everything, I, I feel like Roland Emmerich's like, man, I'm, I'm really putting some work in here, really putting some science in this. So by default, I got to have some emotional core and drama to it, and it's unnecessary. Well, you say that, but I feel like, some of the relationships and and some of the things that work with independence day is like Will Smith and some of his relationships with characters were giving it. They're all the, yeah, of course that's Will Smith and and Jeff Goldblum and and industrial light and magic. You you hire the guy who blew up the death star to blow up the white house. That's going to have some very cinematic. So yeah, you really think people remember independence day because of the emotional connections. They they remember the white house being blown up. That's all they remember. I, 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 I know people who get emotional at Armageddon. I've seen people who get emotional at the rock. I've seen people who get emotional at Rocky four. There's no option here. But, but like the reason why that film kind of endears a little bit more is there's some meat on the bone. It's not as shallow as you remember right. it. When you get into it, you're like, oh, yeah, Will Smith, you know, him and his girlfriend, Vivica Fox, you know, they're, they've got this and the kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, it does work. And, and you know, Goldblum has a relationship with, yeah. the car- you know, and she's blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it definitely doesn't hurt that film to have that stuff in it here. No, I guess because it doesn't work, it just hinders everything and, and really makes you feel that runtime because at the 
onset of the film, you don't care about any of that stuff because you just know it's going to weigh everything down. Yeah. I mean, so is the difference between this and independence day? Cause I, I, okay. I agree with you. No, this is good. No, yeah, I, good. I, I, I agree with you that maybe independence day does it better in terms of the emotional content. Um, and even something like expendables, I'm invested in expendables too, because of what happens to one of the characters at the beginning and it becomes somewhat yeah. of a revenge film, right? No, no, you're on a good track. Uh, Brad set up the template. So basically, <laughs> ima- let's imagine you got two infamous football teams. Yeah. Independence Day just had a bunch of players who were just more passionate, didn't goof around too much, and they got a better you know, outcome than even they even expected, <laughs> ego and all. This is like the biggest winning team that no one on fantasy football is going to bet on. Because just... It's got a lot of has-beens. It's got a lot of A-listers who are liked, and it's got even actors who can do something good, but they're not necessarily the reason you would want to see the movie in the first place. And then if you scratch all that out, just the names, it's just, like you say, it just seems like a even bigger just vacuum of an... So is, is the root cause of that the screenplay or the acting? I think it was already done on Arrival before the money would even you know cleared i think it's uh whoever's doing the effects who's ever's uh just giving anything for the cinematographer to work with and it could very well be the editors maybe they're just yes men and they're not giving them helpful suggestions why don't we put this in here to make it better and i don't know if emmerich just t- fires you if you say no I don't, I, I don't know i i, yeah, I literally I, have to have a hidden camera seeing how a movie goes down and seeing why it's I, I think the script is pretty atrocious. Some of the I'm just we're but the scripts, you know, anything can be approved on with an editor. People improvise yeah, lines but and like, everything. In this one, it like has we're, to be what, twenty pages? Yeah. So if yeah, you I, if you took the cast and let's just take the cast of Independence Day and you put them in Moonfall, same script, mm-hmm. same special effects, would it be a better film? It's a good question. So if Will Smith is playing the Patrick Wilson character. Yeah. And like that Samuel is being, is Jeff Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's better. So, so it's not the script as much as the acting then. I mean, I think it's just, it might be the combo of the, Yeah, it's just hard to put it on one thing. I don't think any of it works. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm just trying to find what the, I'm just trying to find out what the changing one variable of this doesn't make it a better movie. I know. I I don't change all the variables. I don't put independence day on the pedestal. A lot of people do. I don't put the rock on a pedestal. I certainly don't put Armageddon on there. No, I, I just, arrow, any disaster movie. Well, I mean, Broken Arrow, Arrow, Broken Arrow is a gem. That's a gem. So let's. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's in the pantheon. Awesome, but, speed uh, is awesome. Yeah. But now, so yes, compared to other disaster movies, this kind of goes into the same dead on arrival that I have with White House Down, where the tone is constantly shifting, not only scene to scene, but moment to moment. And again, he's taking it all so relentlessly serious. So. But I he does that in Independence Day, Day too. Somehow, I don't know if Devlin helped out. And, and Olympus out was Olympus one. has fallen was way better anyway. So oh, that's oh well, yeah. yeah. Without saying, those are fun Air Force One twenty four yeah. type. I mean, it, but that's the same. Like premise wise, pretty much the same thing. As, but Olympus has fallen. It's it's more fun. It's yeah, more fun exactly. to watch. Yeah, yeah. And you legit, they give some attention to the characters and the suspense even though you know you've seen something like this done better or worse. 
So yeah, it's kind of a, it has a predicament because again, we're dealing with room type money here. There's 30 plus million you know, dollars spent here. And it just looks like you say, like a sci-fi movie. And we've already talked about, had it been a legit sci-fi movie, it would have been in on the joke and something. I, I, like you said, I, I, I feel like the, I, I can't remember if we talked about this, Brad, um, just leading up to the week, but <laughs> Roland Emmerich has been making the same film since Independence Day for the most yeah. part. Yeah. But what's the varying degree? Like, why? What was Independence Day? What did it have? Was Maybe was it the, the cast? Liners, I guess. Something. See, I mean, it's lightning in a bottle sometimes, right? Like, you get. Uh, so I'm going to go with you guys. I think it is the acting because I know Goldblum and Will Smith improvised. And Bill Pullman, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, Pullman was awesome. Yeah. He gave the best, worst speech of all time. I remember being having that taught in a screenwriting college class. I was at one time and they brought out the independent state president's speech and said, don't ever write anything like this ever. <laughs> and everyone in the class was still cheering. When they heard it, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I, know. I, it's, it's weird. Cause again, there are, there are things in moonfall I like, but the, the thing I don't like a lot in modern films um, of this type is look, if, if you're going to go out and have fun, have fun. If you're going to commit to the seriousness, maybe then, that's what it is. Then, then make it tilted somehow. Yeah. There, there's something about the equation. Cause like take the Tom Cruise mission impossible films. They're, they're incredibly serious. There's tons of action. There's a little bit of humor scattered throughout <laughs> of it, but they yeah. work for, for what they committed to. Even people who don't like Tom Cruise will be damned to say those don't have eye catching stunts and a cool villain. You know? They do, it's, but the, the tone and everything works and it knows exactly what yeah. it is. Whereas this one, it's it Cox's arms like guns. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. you, you look at this one and you go, well, it's independence day, but why isn't this formula working in 2022 where it worked fine in 1996? Hey, it I, didn't I work in 2016 probably, when they did a sequel to independence day No, no, because the, they made the same good, exact movie. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's probably just the lack of enthusiasm. Cause like you say, we can argue all day about actors and CGI. And I mean, there's people who thought towering inferno sucked back in the day and there's other people who like it still i uh it, it is a good question i think you could just probably say there was probably just more reliable crew hands or something and it just seems like uh, i don't know if it's a troll two incident where no one's speaking roland emmerich's language <laughs> okay <laughs> well i mean look at like jurassic park they've been trying to remake jurassic park yeah for and 25 years and <laughs> The first one, they got it right, and they've been trying to replicate that ever since, and it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I, that's a good point. Although although I like the third one because I, thir- I think the third one's fun. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were anything past the 90s, it just looks very junky. And so it just and it just seems like, yeah, because... Uh, it's a I mean, it's a mystery. It's a conundrum, man. I mean, CSI has just come back, and it's god awful. Even though the people I like are back, even though the same people have worked on it since the beginning of time are behind the scenes. So I, it's probably just whatever reason, whatever's going in the can just isn't all that impressive to begin with. And there's just or the rush for time. But see, that's still a shitty excuse if that's the case when you've got millions of dollars. So yeah. Um, I think they're just, again, everyone's just too in love with themselves and <laughs> something's just not, maybe they're doing 20 takes and they're picking the worst take each time. 
because that's kind of where I was when I was seeing all these recent shitty movies and other cheese with Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis and everything. You know, you're working with all these people who have done better stuff and it's just somehow it just looks rushed. So I'm going to just say it's rushed. I, I got no other theory. No, it's, I, I mean, it, it could be. I don't know. I just I, I look at this movie and I go, OK, take out the first 40 um, in, in today's standards. I think it would be a fun film. Um, I might actually like it if if you keep it as it is, but it was released in a couple of decades ago with with the effects being a little bit more cheesy, et cetera. I think it might be that sort of lost classic where everybody goes, man, this is kind of a corny film, but it's a lot of fun and you could have <laughs> you could have fun watching it. I, I don't know what it is about all of its ingredients today as it is and going, well, it's an Independence Day clone or if it's Day After Tomorrow clone or all those others. But what is it about this film released today that doesn't feel fun, whereas it did back in 96, as yeah, an just example? Just the lack of energy. Because you're seeing action appear on screen, but you're not adrenalized. Yeah, it could be. I, I you know, I'll, I'll give credit to um, outside of Fuzz Aldrin, which I think is a scene stealer. Um, if if you if you actually look at John Bradley, he's not bad. He's he's actually yeah. the the bright element of the film as a conspiracy theorist, and he's mm-hmm. the comedic element. But I think he knows what movies he, he's in. Versus everybody else doesn't outside of yeah. Fuzz Aldrin, I think. Holly um, Berry is trying to win an Oscar in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> she shouldn't be. She shouldn't yeah. be. Patrick Wilson should should not be going for the Oscar either. Um, and it's just so weird because it's supposed to be serious. And Rollins wouldn't have done this had it been campy. And yet. Yeah, I don't know. But John Bradley's good. I mean, between him and, and Fuzz, I, I think they are the highlight. But. Um, I think everybody else, it's a competition on who could be the worst. Like if this thing doesn't sweep the Razzie awards in the acting Dude. category, I'll be disappointed. The guy who plays Halle Berry's ex-husband. Oh my God. He's oh terrible. my God. Yeah. He's a cardboard cutout. Like that guy is bad. I felt like he's reading his lines off of his hand oh, or cue card or something. Yeah, something. Maybe that's know. what they did. Maybe they just said, Hey, you know, I mastered acting. If I can get this piece of shit done for <laughs> four months. That's true. Well, do you guys have any other final thoughts on Moonfall, the most scientifically accurate movie of 2022? <laughs> no, I do not. Uh, just ask, is this or uh, don't worry, darling, worse? Oh, um, oh, this is way worse. OK, <laughs> I haven't seen Don't Worry, Darling yet, so I'm I'm waiting patiently to watch it. I've seen a clip. It looks like it's not as bad as it's made out to be, but it's still kind of dumb. I don't, you know, that's interesting because premise wise, you're talking about disaster film versus something that's more of <laughs> right. a sci-fi horror element to it. And from what I take versus a movie better known for that was a disaster. That was yeah, a disaster. That had, yeah. That had tweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm going to start with you, Cam. So we just got done having a lively discussion on 2022's Moonfall. Um, is it a bomb? It is. So it, it deserved its box office and. I think a lot of people just knew they weren't going to uh, strike that match anytime soon. It was gonna <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, keep fizzling. Brad, where, where do you land on 2022's Moonfall? Oh, it's a definite bomb for me. I think I'm out on Imric here. You're, you're totally done. You're not going to check anything so. else. Yeah. He's unless, like the, unless we see him again on our show. He's like the kind of kid who 
doesn't have the physical agility to get you in a headlock <laughs> and yet he won't stop pestering with you so you yeah. just let him you finally you force yourself to surrender just so he'll fucking stop so he'll, he gets the headlock and he moves on with yeah, his day right and you're and you're just like okay i'm gonna let you think you're that all that when you join wrestling teams so then you'll just finally just leave me alone yeah. <laughs> here's my lunch money go away uh well i'll i'll preface it this way i didn't hate it as much as you guys <laughs> um but it's still a bomb and the reason why it's a bomb is that first 40 minutes but there there's stuff that i appreciate in the last uh the second and third act um but man it it was it was it was tough to get through it's tough it was tough but you know i got to appreciate a film that after it's over with i'm like there's no freaking way i and appreciate the tammy Faymore. it made me go and learn some science so um I was surprised. Not all of the science is BS in the film. Now it's science inspired, but there are some actual properties and, and theories that are at play here that kind of make sense. But seriously, if the moon's crashing on the earth, why would you go to the highest elevation or plane yeah, of the earth? It's, it's yeah. A dumb idea. Yeah. That's it's a dumb idea. Uh, it's up there. Yeah. And Aspen. Come on, man. Aspen. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, Cam, where can everybody find you, man? This has been such a great conversation. Where, nah, where do people check you out? I got man? to meet you too. Um, Jacked Up Review Show is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we are covering everything. We're doing all kinds of movie and TV show summaries. You can expect plenty more uh, Giallo, spy movie, uh, even just lively discussions. Like We're always having a roundtable. We had Ramblin' Ronnie on to discuss the top true crime podcasts. Uh, we, we always try and pick a lively topic. We had uh, a bunch of other podcasters on to discuss uh, uh we, we had ho on the go and she was discussing uh the top 10 books <laughs> we had to i had to pick five she had to pick five and that wasn't easy <laughs> oh dang and you're a daily podcast too right yes monday through uh, friday monday through friday i don't want to keep anyone's podcasts uh, you know hostage and at the same time you know if i just let it build up then i'll have enough for two years it's got to come out and i got to have a variety i don't want to just be pigeonholed or typecast i want to have something for everybody no, I love it. I, I love it's so eclectic. I have a hard time catching up with it because of the content. Yeah. Um, but I have, I have to, posting the promos. <laughs> well, no, I have to go through and kind of pick and choose which ones I want to listen to. Um, <laughs> but I love it. And I'm, I'm so glad we finally made this happen. Uh, and glad we, I could come on and make your suffering bearable. No, we're, we're going to we are going to have you on next year. Um, let, let's talk about next year, Brad. Oh, yes. It should should we should we just give everybody a preview of what next year's like? Sure, sure buddy. Sizzle real. Um, I will. I will tell you the first film is you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man with time to talk. Yeah. Loud music, or music loud and women warm. Is that the next line? Uh, staying alive. I kicked around. Yeah, staying alive. Oh, yes. is our first oh. film of 2023. I like it. Um, yeah, we. Uh, you're doing that, which is a zero percent nice. on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently, um, it's going to be. Yeah, so we much also fun. have yeah. stuff like Mystery Men, Battlefield Earth. Oh, uh, I can talk about Stone about. Cold, Stone Cold Mega Force. We're actually getting back around to do Mega the Force. Fall, which we were going to do a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Drop Dead Fred is on the schedule. Um, yeah. Hudson Hawk, Masters of the Universe. Yeah, Mega Four. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so excited. We're finally doing. 
I Come in Peace slash Dark Angel, nice. which is one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're even we're even doing Fight Club as well. Yep. So stay, stay tuned for that because Fight Club was considered a bomb uh, according yep. to the studio. So, yep. mm-hmm. And we're going to have some gems like King Kong Lives and uh, <laughs> this one, which I think is going to be a train wreck because it's just going to be Brad doing impersonations for like a couple hours. But we're going to tackle the adventures of Ford Fairlane. We are. I can't wait. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> yeah. So that that is just a taste of what you can expect in the coming months on top of we asked for a lot of feedback from folks. Um, I, I honestly, I just want to want to take a minute to say, you know, we're a hundred and thirty plus episodes in, and we've we've done a, <laughs> I think, a tremendous job of getting something released out each week. Yeah, I don't think we missed a week. Nope. Uh, which was which is incredible. But when we take a step back and go, well, how many people have we met? Like you, Cam, and and tons of other podcasters, uh, and then people writing, engaging in social media, it is mind boggling um, to me when Brad goes, Hey, by the way, here's our stats. And you're like, how many countries and (laughs) how many is like, that's ridiculous to me, but I cannot thank everybody enough for just playing along. Um, For, for me specifically, this is the biggest de-stressor of my week because I love watching a movie and then jumping on um, with Brad and talking about it. And even, you know, people like you Cam, where it's like, we interact via a couple of emails, social media posts, and then I get two hours to see, you know, you and then talk about a movie and have fun and get to know you a little bit. Uh, this has been amazing. Um, I'm really excited about next year because next year, all of these movies, it's not necessarily stuff Brad and I picked. These were all recommendations that people um, <laughs> gave us and said, we want to hear you talk about this. And then on top of that, we have um, January is going to be pretty busy because we will do an episode sharing our top picks of 2022 mm-hmm. theatrical. We'll, we'll do an episode with that with some friends. We <laughs> will also, um, <laughs> one of my uh, favorite pieces of feedback um, that I got was, it is amazing the movies that you watch like nobody's heard of, or they're just so weird. You can only find on DVD. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, 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 a listener had, had kind of said, love to hear more about the strange crap you watch. And so, um, Brad and I kind of thought, well, we should in maybe share those movies once a month. And that's where we're coming up with a not a bomb suffers. Cause we've got some real gems out there that are just truly terrible. Yeah. We're trying to find the worst movie we've ever seen. And, and these are, these are ones that Brad and I love to watch because it it's um, it's fun to kind of sit down and I mean, look, if everything was amazing, then nothing would be amazing. Right. So you, you got to get in there and watch some true junk to appreciate the, the Lawrence of Arabia's right. So um, which speaking of which that's actually what he said in the same interview, his next project, he wants to do a movie on the life of Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, oh, man. Can't wait. But yeah, a, a big thank you to everybody for playing along the last few years and thank sending you. in all these suggestions. And and look, I mean, the, the first few months of the year are all composed of um, emails and suggestions that all of you sent in. And we're looking to fill out the rest of the year with that. So nice. <laughs> what else, Brad? Uh, how do people contact us and send in their favorite bombs and, and maybe 
we're still looking for a comprehensive list of the worst movies out there. So please let us know. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not a bomb pot at gmail.com. You can go over to not and hit the contact us button. Leave us a suggestion or comment there. Um, I'm thinking about opening up our comments on our post on the actual website since nice. the future of Twitter might be uh, a little bit gray. So we need a, a forum to help people comment on some things. So think about doing that. Um, so if you want that, let me know. Um, but yeah, we're still on Twitter as long as it exists. Uh, Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, not only um, suggestions for future episodes, but some of the worst films you've ever seen. Again, I've seen The Room. It's not the worst film I've ever seen. I've no. seen uh, way worse than The Room. We the saw Room way worse this act- year on the show. Yeah, it's actually competently yeah. made in a way. I mean, yeah, but anyway. Um, so yeah, but I, I echo what Troy said. I appreciate everyone who has reached out, who has listened, who's shared our podcast. Um, again, we are thrilled that people listen and care and care enough to write in. I know I listen to a handful of shows and I'm bad about leaving feedback and stuff, but people do it for me. So it makes me feel a little bit hypocritical, but no, <laughs> we appreciate it. And um, yeah, you know, it, <clears throat> If you listen to a show and you really like it, uh, do the host a favor, reach out, just let them know. It helps a lot. Um, Troy and I have always said, this is our hobby. You're never going to hear ads. You're never going to, we're never going to ask for money or anything well, like you're that. You're going to hear ads, but they're going to be our fun drive-in yeah. movie ads. But, yeah. uh, but friends. yeah, so if you ever, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you, if you want to do something nice for us, share the podcast with someone or send in a suggestion. And uh, yeah, we will take it into consideration. We have a huge list, but uh, yeah, we're getting through it and it's been super fun. We're going on year number three now. So like, yeah, yeah. Um, go listen to Cam's show. We've, we've, <laughs> we've developed a uh, pretty awesome network. So I strongly encourage you to listen to, the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, also known as the yes. Comrade's Guide to State so Approved good. Cinema, um, <laughs> with some of their thoughts on on Tom Cruise. Um, that one's for you, Will. Uh, VHS Files podcast, which again, mm-hmm. look for an episode coming out in January where Brad and I are on their YouTube channel for The Last Dragon. Definitely <laughs> check out Jose and Justin's show, Watch Skip Plus. Yes, and that's where you're going to find all, you know, the cool modern films and the stuff that's in the theaters and streaming night of the living podcast is another one. Mixtape podcast mixtape podcast just had an interview with weird Al's guitarist. There you go. That's cool. Yeah, they're doing this has been the year of interviews for that show. Um, Brad, yep. who else am I forgetting? Uh, back look cinema with Zoe. Oh my gosh, Zoe. Yeah. And Zoe, I promise we will get on there because we need to talk some Jackie Chan. So oh, yes. we're yes. definitely doing that um, at the beginning of 2023. Specifically, we want to talk Rumble in the Bronx with Zoe. So that's going to happen. Right. Um, what else? Did I-, I was actually pretty proud of myself for knowing the first few lines of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, which I'm, I'm not a Bee Gees fan, but pulled that from the old melon. <laughs> Yeah, in true not a bomb um, format, we started making that list a couple of months ago, and it was my pick to kick off the year. And I wanted to do Staying Alive. It's a sequel. 
it's um, getting a, it's, it's getting a 4k release a week after we decided we're doing that then they announced it's getting a 4k release um later in the year but we're not waiting for the 4k we're kicking the year off talking about that one so you'll hear us talk about it to decide whether or not you should go pick up the 4k <laughs> so um i don't know what else brad and is that, is that about it uh i've never seen saying life oh i'm so have really? you seen saturday night fever i've seen saturday night fever yes because I was alive in like the nineties and I had HBO or whatever. It was on all the time. So. Okay. Well, are we going to watch Saturday night fever and staying alive? I think I'm going to have to, it's been a while since I've seen Saturday night fever. So I might just have to. Yeah, I think so too. Um, folks research. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cam, thank you again. It's amazing. Thank you uh, cannot wait to talk to you again, folks. Absolutely. I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon or evening. Have an amazing, happy new year. Please stay safe. Don't do anything stupid. Um, come back Not safe. Yet, at least. Yeah, come back safe and sound for 2023 so you can hear our thoughts on John Travolta's Staying Alive, directed by none other than Sylvester Stallone. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. Um, <laughs> but we will catch you in the new year. See you then. Oh, lose your head. <laughs> <laughs>